Welcome to the Pioneer Podcast. I'm Matt Richards, and in this episode, I have a conversation with Judith Annis about life, ministry, and the revelation of the value of women in ministry and in leadership. So sit back, enjoy the watch or the listen, and we'll see you on the other side. Well, Judith, thank you for joining us. It's good to have you. Um, could you kind of describe um, who you are and um, what your role is in your church and your um, ministry area? Yes, yeah, sure. So, um, so yes, yeah, as just said, I'm Judith, Judith Annis from um, Manchester, UK, and I co-lead a church with my husband. I'm also on the um, Pioneer Network of UK Churches um, t- leadership team as well, and um, and with Richard we co-lead um, Pioneer North as well. Um, so I'm a church leader, and I have been for the past eight years. Um, so yeah, so that's who I am. And that's some of the things I do. These are the things I do as well outside of church leadership. So um, I do counselling as well. I'm a therapist. And I also do some work with a charity that um, helps um, men who are struggling with homelessness or at risk of homelessness. So I'm a chair of trustee for that charity as well. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, how long have you been doing that? Um, working for the charity or church leadership? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Working for the charity. Charity. So, um, so the charity, cause it's just recently become a charity. Um, we were doing it as part of a ministry within the church. Um, so that's been, that's been like about 10 years now. Um, so it's only in the last couple of years it's become a charity, um, which, um, I helped with that process of, um, moving it away from being solely church ministry to, um, to becoming its own. So, so being involved, like, I guess for about 10 years. Um, so that's, uh, that's gotta be helping people find places to live and probably doing a lot of counseling with them while they're going through that's got to be quite intense sometimes yeah Yeah. because there's probably a lot of addiction addiction and different things like that involved in it too yeah 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 there's a lot of addiction and there's lots of things that they're um struggling with um a lot of these guys who end up um in this situation have um things that have happened throughout their childhood and growing up and um, even relationships, breakdowns and um, different things that have gone on for them. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so I have done quite a bit of counselling with these guys as well. Um, okay, that's very cool. So um, yeah. can you describe a little bit about like um, – your church background and, you know, where you came from and, you know, your relationship with Christ and how that started. Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, 
I knew Jesus from a very young age. So I was brought up in a Christian background, um, Christian family, and um, which I feel so blessed. The more I think about it now as an adult, I realise how blessed I was to have had that. And I I suppose, like, working with some of these guys as well who are experiencing homelessness and, 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 and some of the people that I, you know, I'm helping with my counselling just makes me realise more and more how significant that has been on my life, being brought up um, in a Christian family. Um, so I'm really grateful to God for that. Um, so I went to um, go, went to university and and I think like while I was at university, I kind of like push the boundaries a bit, which made, makes me realise how much, like, I think, like, growing up in a Christian family just was always there for me, and knowing God's love and grace, and even when I was pushing the boundaries a bit at university, it was God's love and grace that continually brought me back to to him and that intimacy with him. Um, so he won me over and over again um, in that time. Um, so before I prayed the prayer to be, to receive Jesus, there's a lot of my life when I was a young girl, I was about eight years old. Um, I knew God um, from an early age. Even before that, I would hear God in dreams and visions and... Um, so that's my printer. That's all right. That's all right. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so my relationship um, um, with Christ has grown and developed um, all my life, really, and that intimacy with Him. Um, I had postnatal depression when I had my first, um, well, my first two children, actually. And then it was that intimacy of knowing God um, that really helped me to get through that. And the yeah. truth that God is with me, um, even when I don't even feel it, um, was really clear to me. And I and that was my rock um, throughout that time. Um, so, so I guess my relationship with Jesus has always been quite close and intimate, one of just, just an awareness of who he is and who he is to me and who I am to him, really. Um, um, so, yeah, so that's that's basically, like, my relationship with God and, like, how I, like, came to know him, really. So you said you grew up in a Christian family. Yeah. Was yeah. it was it a, uh, you know, like, Christmas and Easter Christmas, uh, Christian family, or were they, you know, actively... Um, going to church, serving in church, something like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. They were very active in church. So yes, I'd go to church with them every single week. We'd worship together. Um, they were involved in ministry. Um, later on, as I um, got older, they were pastors themselves. Um, um, so yes, I, I guess we were very much involved in church. Um, I did struggle sometimes going to church because there was we were in part of a small community that didn't really have anyone my age, so going to church was kind of like mm, I don't really know if I want to go because yeah. I don't know anybody my age. Um, 
and and at that time um um I was made to go to church <laughs> and and it wasn't because I didn't love God that I didn't want to go it was because it was just difficult but um yeah yeah I'm I'm glad that I did go and I'm glad that I pushed on through that so yeah I think the same thing with myself grew up in a Christian family um you know, uh, parents got divorced at when I was younger, but I, I went to church. I kind of understood it, but God wasn't real to me until my later teens. Um, and even into my twenties, I, I think that's, a, I think it's a struggle for a lot of kids is because they're going to, um, a church that may not be not suited, but, um, geared toward them. So it's hard for them to, to grab a hold of those things and uh, to understand what is, is happening, especially when there's no discipleship in the home. For me, there was really no oh. discipleship in the home. So it was, you know, I didn't really know about um, the ways of God per se. Yeah. I just knew of him and who he was, but not, you know, his character. So I think I, yeah. I can understand that going to church when you're mm-hmm. a, a teenager, sometimes it's like, why am I here? If you don't fit in or if you don't have, you know, a, a good foundation, it's hard to, grab a hold of what the, the, the preacher is, is talking about or the Sunday school teacher is talking mm-hmm. about. So, yeah. So did you, did you, yeah. was that, yeah. did you find that that was your issue when you were a teenager, just not being able to, to, to kind of relate to some of the stuff or be able to like, feel like you fit in? Yeah, I think it was more like to me, I wanted to have friends. Um, I didn't really fit in. I think I feel like I was kind of stuck in like where I didn't fit in at church because I didn't really have any friends or feel involved with anyone particular, but I didn't fit in at school either because I was in a a school that um, wasn't a Christian school. Um, None of my friends at school were Christians at that time. So I didn't really fit in there, even though I had some friends that were Christians, but the you know, I would get a little bit of, I wouldn't say bullying, but like they would tease me for my faith and, and who I was and some of the things that I stood for. So, so I was in, I was never really, I didn't really feel like I fitted in anywhere really. So so it was a difficult, like, I didn't really enjoy that period of my life at all. But, um, and I guess for me it was, um, I think knowing God was probably the thing that probably kept me really from going too wide. So I think I wanted to fit in somewhere and the easiest place to fit in sometimes was with my school friends. Cause so like doing some of the things that they were doing and getting involved in some of the things that they were getting involved in. And even I never did like do that to said it, it that would have been easy for me. And, and I think it was hard. The more I didn't do that, the more out of it I felt. So it was, it wasn't a great time really. Yeah. I don't think teenage teenage years are good for, for most kids. I think it's always, it's that, I think it's that time where, um, we learn who we are and we try to find out who we are. And I think when we're not tied into the things of God, it, it, you look at the world today and, We've got people running around changing everything about themselves because they yeah. have no connection to the father and not understanding mm-hmm. who he's created them to be. And so yeah. we've got a society that's 
changing everything about themselves in order to, you know, feel like they belong. And, you know, it's such a developmental time in our lives that when we're not connected to God and connected to a good church family, I think we can, we can really just tumble down a a rabbit hole that is just so hard to come back from. And we're seeing that in our culture today. Yeah. And we're certain we're created to, to belong as well, to belong somewhere, to belong to, to people. And, and so we all have that need to belong and we're searching for that. And, and I guess for some people we've, we find that we can belong some places and it's not always the right place or beneficial and, and and that becomes really hard. Yeah, I, I think, you know, growing up, you know, I think when you come from, like, you know, for myself, a divorced family, it's hard to find your way because you're bouncing back and forth from mom and dad right, yeah. and different things like that. And mm-hmm. growing up in a Christian, I went to a Christian school and the moment, you know, parents got divorced, it was like, you know, there's the scarlet letter, you know, all over you because that was like the, right. you know, the thing. So it was hard to n- find people to accept you for who you are. I had a basketball coach that did that. And I'm so grateful for that because he cared about me no matter what was going on. And they just had the love of Christ. But I think so many people these days not having that connection. And I don't, I don't understand, you know, being in church for a long time and having our own church and not having that community. I don't think people realize how healthy a a good community can be for, for a person. Um, and I just think mm-hmm. we look at our, our kids today, like my kids, even that, though they raised in church and good foundation, they still went through periods of, of, of you know, trial and rebellion and, and just trying to figure out who they are, um, you know. And so I think they have those moments of I'm an adult or I, I can do this on my own. You know, we got mm-hmm. two very headstrong girls who are, you know, a lot like their mother and know that and know things, but it's like, you know, them finding their own way um, into the relationship with God and not for us to, this is how you should be. And this is how you follow God, but them hearing from God and both of them are very prophetic and just, and I think for us as adults, you know, I look back at the community my girls have for church. I wish I had had that as a 15, 16 year old young man being able to, you know, have those mentors, have those people in our, in their lives mm-hmm. that are 30 mm-hmm. now, but they're able to say, Hey, I went through this and, and, you know, this is some advice or this is how you can get through it and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and to feel like you, that you're in some of that stuff alone as well, just can be quite painful and to, and it's so amazing how God does put people into our lives that really help us along the way. And just a little—it's almost like these little pillars on our on our walkway of like, come on, you can keep going, you can keep going the right way, and and so to have people in our lives like that, and it's amazing that you had that at that moment in time of your life to have someone that said, you know, that was a strong Christian that was able to help you to feel like actually you're not alone in this. Um, and church should be like that, shouldn't it? It should be a place where people can come and feel like um, I'm not alone. And sometimes, like, a church 
if you're in the wrong church community, it can feel like you are alone because people don't understand. But when we're in a community of people that, that understand us and are with us and helping us, it really makes a massive difference. Yeah, it does. It's to have a, a good community around us is, is a key. Um, and yeah. that's, you know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, knowing, uh, meeting Richard a couple times and having him speak at our church has just been, um, has been key, but to, just to watch, um, what Pioneer can do for a community, um, of people, just the, the camaraderie that is there with yeah. Pioneer. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're five, six hours of, of flight time away, thousands of miles, but I think, um, having a healthy community of believers, not just locally, but, but globally to, um, connect each other and to, um, just encourage each other and pray for each other. It's just a great, is a great thing. So So, King's church, how long have you been in in King's church? So I I came as a student. Um, and so that was in, um, 1993. So a long time now. (laughs) Um, I came as a student and, I met Richard there. We both, he came, he started coming in 94, um, and we were friends and we ended up just staying there. So, and as you know, we got married and, um, a few years later we ended up leading it. So, well, Richard, Richard started in leadership there, um, probably a couple of years after we were married. Um, we were both on a, um, a missional team um, in the south of Manchester where we're reaching the local kids um, and community there doing outreach and just living in that area. It was kind of like, um, well, it wasn't kind of, it was a council estate and is a council estate um, um, that, um, which, which is social housing and all of that. And, and it's, it's a really rough area. Um, um, a lot of um, people marginalised, poor, um, a lot of poverty there. Um, so Rich and I lived there as part of a, a project to reach out to this community, love them, live there, be amongst them, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so we were only doing that for like probably 18 months to a year after we got married when we were invited to coming part of the leadership team um, in the church. So um, we moved. I wasn't part of that. Um, so at that time, the church didn't really recognize women in leadership. So it was kind of like you get one leader, you get one leader and get one free kind of thing. So, <laughs> um, so it was very much like that. I was behind the scenes, not involved in church leadership whatsoever. There was no, like... Um, women and leaders, no role models for me. So it wasn't anything even that I aspired to. Didn't even think that that was something I was ever going to enter into at all. Um, so, um, so this was very much like Richard's path, um, coming down to church leadership and, and I was going to just find my role in the things I did and the things I enjoyed doing really. So we're very separate at that time in, in what we were doing. 
So my question to you is what changed? What, what happened that your role as a woman in the church <laughs> changed in, in the, the sphere of King's church? Yeah, it was, it was a, like, it was a really interesting journey. Journey I just, um, never expected at all. Um, but as we set out on this journey towards recognizing that actually women could be leaders, um, God was really speaking to me so significantly in that time. So we, we came out of a network, um, not for the women leadership issue. There's other reasons why we came out of this network. And, um, and it wasn't long after coming out of that network, we started, I mean, I know for me personally, started feeling like, okay, there are some, starting to feel like a little bit restricted. I started, I did a Bible, I went on a Bible college course, um, which was a year. Um, when my youngest started school, so it gave me a bit more free time. So, um, I did this by, and I was starting to ask questions of like, okay, like, what is my role? And so I started to feel a little bit restricted, which I'd never yeah. felt up until that time. And it was about the same time we'd come out of the, well, it was a little bit after that we came out of the network. So, so when we'd come out of the network, it was like, okay, so, why we believe in the things that we believe, why we're practicing the things that we're practicing. We were practicing um, head covering um, in our church. That was a practice. So if women wanted to pray in public or prophesy in public, they would cover their heads. Um, we were also encouraged to like do that as well if we're doing that with on one-on-one as well. Um, I'd started a ministry I, I was in a ministry where I was doing debt coaching and, and I would go into people's homes, helping them with their debts and their, giving them the gospel and praying with them and just finding that awkwardness of like, when I'm praying with people, I don't want to cover my head because this yeah. feels weird. This doesn't feel like I'm on my own in my bedroom. I'm praying. I feel the pleasure of God. I feel, you know, that he's with me. I know he can hear me praying. And, and so it just felt like, why am I covering my head to pray for people and to minister to people? So, so I was starting to feel a little bit rebellious and I was like, oh God, I don't want to be rebellious. And so, but, so it was starting to become more and more of a struggle for me. Um, and then it was Richard, really. Um, um, I would love for you to hear the story from him, actually. But but oh, from my but we from my know. perspective, because he's the one really that like really heard God and said and thought, you know, why are we doing this as well? So yeah. I remember like Richard finding me and just he broke down in tears and just said to me, Judith, I'm really sorry that this is what we've been doing, this practice that we've been, do, been doing as a church hasn't helped you, is, you know, it hasn't released you. And, um, and he just like was crying because he had a real revelation from God about how women can be leaders. Um, and so, um, so we sat on this journey together and we did some teaching in the church um, to help the church to, 
to see the new revelation that we had, um, you know, and the church were pretty brilliant, really. They were so quick to, like, to say, yes, we believe that too. And um, we stopped the practice of head covering. And um, I remember, and it was about that time when um, I remember in our times of worship, just worshipping God, and I just had this amazing encounter of God where God just, I just broke down in tears and God just said to me, um, Judith, I want you to help me to um, bring the church, um, to help the church to be the bride of Christ, to prepare the bride to be ready for its groom. So it was this real encounter that I had. And I never had any ambitions to be a church leader. It was never an aspiration of mine. I've never seen it modelled in my kind of church or networks. It wasn't even an option. I didn't think that it was a thing for women to be church leaders. Um, growing up, um, I used to hear things about like like where ch- women were being leaders or doing things, and I'd hear criticisms of it of or put down. So that kind of like spoke more into like. I guess into like, oh, I don't want that because it's wrong. It's, you know, you'd be criticized and judged for it. And so, so it was never like a desire of mine. And then God really spoke to me and I knew that God was saying to me, um, this is where I want you to be. And so, so and at a time I was doing debt coaching, um, 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 for a Christian organization, um, and so I started doing more and more in the church, more church leadership stuff, picking things up. And then it wasn't long after that, Richard and I decided that actually we should be co-leading. So we started co-leading together. Um, so taking on more responsibilities and leadership roles. Um, so yes, yeah, so it was, it was kind of a rocky, journey in the sense of like me stepping out into areas that I just felt like this is really difficult it's new I've not seen it I've not seen it modeled and um um so yeah um it was you know it was an interesting time really so for the when Richard came to you and said you know, he apologized and said, this is what's, what's been going on. What what was going on in your head when he said that? Um, I think initially I was like, oh, no, it's fine. Don't worry. And But then I realized, actually, there was something significant about this and something for something to change and to shift, yeah. I needed to say to him, that I forgive you and um yeah and I forgive you because it wasn't like um I was going through my life my marriage life thinking he was restricting me or but I knew there was some spiritual significance for me and my journey in my faith and, and who God created me to be that I wasn't all that God created me to be. I wasn't fully functioning as a woman in leadership the way God had um, 
created me to be. And so, and, and it wasn't necessarily Richard's fault, but it was the environment in which I was in, the Christian environment that was supposed to help me flourish and grow and be all that God, well, that, it just, that didn't happen for me. So, so forgiving Richard was like me just forgiving the whole system, I guess, of the whole thing of like, okay, yeah, have been held back and I didn't even realize it. Um, and now I realize it, it I, I could be pained by that. I could be injured by that. Um, but I didn't want to be. I wanted to, to step into this freedom of like being all that God called me to be without, um, bitterness or anger or rage. Yeah. Um, yeah. but to step into that freedom. And like you said, you forgave him and it was like forgiving the entire church or the whole movement. Um, I'm, I'm not, knowing Richard enough, he probably wasn't an oppressive leader. Like, you know, women sit down and, you know, that mentality that women should remain completely silent in church. But um, knowing some of that church culture that you're talking about is, you know, women can teach the children. They can teach the the other women but they should have no authority over any kind of a man. And they can't have, they have no authority to teach a man, no wisdom to teach a man, that, that kind of mentality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that has um, kind of plagued the church. Yeah. Um, and not, not your church, but churches as a whole has mm-hmm. really, um, you know, and, and I find some of the worst um, proponents or opponents of women in leadership are women themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my wife, you know, we've co-led since day one. We just felt like this was the right way for us to go. And, but watching people get up in the middle of a, a message when she's speaking and walk out and, you know, doing things like that. Um, and these are women that are mad at her for mm-hmm. being a leader and, you know, not so yeah. men will get up and walk out, but women are, mm-hmm. are almost vicious to yeah. another woman when, they don't believe a woman should be in any kind of leadership. And I'm like, if they can teach our children till, you know, a young boy until he's age 18 and then she has no spiritual authority over him once yeah. he turns 18 and becomes yeah. a, an adult, that's just a, that's a ridiculous mindset Yeah. of, you know, if she can teach her son when he's 18, she can teach her son when he's 21 or 22 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I think it's, um, Women relate different than men, but it, mm-hmm. they still have the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They can yeah. still bring the word of the Lord from the Holy Spirit. And I think mm-hmm. um, for years we've neglected to acknowledge mm-hmm. that point that women can um, be led by the Holy Spirit just the way that men are. Um, and you look at the New Te- Testament and you look at the, the people Paul is writing to and you look at the um, the judges in the Old Testament and, mm-hmm. and just these people mm-hmm. – um, but I, my wife and I were talking and, and it seems like, um, you know, uh, the U S is really hard for women in leadership. Um, because there are so few women in leadership. You have your women evangelists like yeah. Joyce Meyer and yeah. Beth Moore and Priscilla Schreier and, and different mm-hmm. people like that. But for a woman in leadership, um, it's very rare to find that. And yeah. there's almost yeah. this idea that, um, if you do that, um, you're a progressive, um, non-Bible believing church and things like that. So I don't know what it is like in the UK, but here it's like, um, you know, they think we're some, you know, 
far liberal leaning um, church that doesn't believe the Bible and preaches whatever we want to preach and different things like that. But, you know, I was talking to my wife. I said, you know, we're more doctrinally sound than most of the churches that are complaining about women in leadership. We've just, we've just taken a role in, um, in promoting women in leadership. Some of the more open churches and liberal churches of, of getting away from biblical doctrine have done that, but we're doing it in a godly way, but also sticking to, um, sound doctrine when we do this. And so I think a lot of people struggle accepting that and for the u.s it's there's few and far between i think my wife has two other people she knows in the u.s that lead a church um, that she has conversations with so um in the uk it's become more prominent and there's a lot of women leading you got ness and you've got linda and you know women that are leading in an apostolic role for Mm -hmm. their church um and it's pioneer was I think perfect for us when we found it because we realized this is what we've been doing. Now we have a group of people that believe the same way that we do and know that women are, are more than just the, the, on the front row raises the kids and speaks on mother's day for, Mm -hmm. for the church, you know, Mm -hmm. to talk about moms and then does women's ministry once a month or whatever. So I think that was um, seeing that role of, uh, women in leadership and pioneer was just so amazing for us to see that there was not just a husband and a wife, but there was, there was women leading in their you know apostolic roles and different things like that. So that was really cool to us um, and how we saw things going on. Yeah. So with your role in, in leadership, have you found resistance to that? Um. I don't, I, I, I wonder if I've come into leadership at such a time when it is becoming more of a revelation for people. I've not found resistance in terms of like my role in the church. Um, and I think the only thing that probably I find difficult is I end up finding myself at the moment still and increasingly less um, in situations where I'm the only woman. So if I'm in a room full of church leaders, I'm the only woman there, and which I found quite intimidating to start with because yeah. it was, you know, it's I didn't enjoy that. Um, to feel so isolated, feel so alone, so another situation of me not fitting in and wanting to fit into it, you know, into something. And so finding myself being stretched like so much, feeling at times that like I was out of my depth, overwhelmed. Um, so I think the, the, yeah, probably the resistance was probably me really, my own sort of thoughts and like, should I be here? Yeah, through that yeah. glass ceiling of, of absolutely, you are. You know, I didn't have like, um, like the role models to, um, or the people in the room that were more experienced than me that I could like just really lean into and help me to how to fit into this kind of environment, really. And it was, it was pioneer, really, that that was that was probably the biggest saving grace in that time for me. 
because seeing, like you say, women leading the role models there, first time I'd ever seen like women leading as if they'd been doing this all their lives. Yeah. It was just remarkable for me. And so, um, one of, when we decided to join the Pioneer Network, um, before that we went to, um, an annual leaders conference. And so there was a lot of women at that time was leading and preaching and had all kinds of things going on. And it was just a real eye opener and it just so refreshing. I felt so refreshed. So like, okay, this is how it's done when you've not all your life been told women can't be leaders. Yeah. And so I was so encouraged by that. And, um, um, so yeah, and just really appreciate Ness and Linda, just like who they are and the way that they lead. They lead in such a, a, a lovely, gracious way that yeah. you'd want, you know, there's something about like the way women lead is different to how men lead. And, and I think that the church has suffered because over the years because we've not had both kinds of leadership there and um yeah. so yeah so that yeah so I think pushing through that glass ceiling and being part of pioneers probably really helped with that for me really yeah I mean if you look at men and women men tend to be more authoritative when they lead and women tend to be more uh, gracious when yeah, they lead yeah. um, you and, know, you and also at... it's interesting you say that as well because like I think when i some of the criticisms I've had growing up when a woman would lead, the criticism that they would have, oh, they're just being like a man. Oh, they're being authoritarian. Oh, they're just like, look at them. They can't, you know what I mean? It's like, but it's almost like I think for some women, they almost had to be like that to find their place. So, I mean, maybe some women are like that naturally, but I wonder if a lot of women who are trying to assert themselves as leaders have to force themselves to be like a man so so it was lovely seeing women leading as women and in themselves and seeing that flow from them really yeah I, I think you're right because talking with my wife um you know like she grew up catholic um and she told the local bishop when she was like 12 years old she's like i'm gonna have your job one day and i'll be preaching and um her mom she said she got whooped when she got home. So, uh, cause good Catholics don't talk back to the Bishop. And, um, but my wife said, you know, trying to, my, we started our ministry in 06 as an outreach for youth in our garage. We just had a, a, a big garage slash pole building that we just reached out to kids. So my wife was, I was working full time. She had a young, you know, six month old baby and a, and our three year old daughter. But, um, and she was like, I'm like, you're going to have to do this. God's called us to do this, but I'm working full time. You're going to do that. So she started leading, um, from a young, very young age. She was 22, um, doing, you know, the outreach and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And I would come after I got out of work and then we would do things together. But she preached from, for the first year, year and a half of doing that most of the time, um, but she said it's always there's always this kind of a stigma that you're trying to be because you're a woman you're trying to take over the man's role trying to to be a yeah. you know a, be a man and I'm like because she's a strong woman yeah. 
she has a gift and a calling for preaching and and different things like that that doesn't make her a desire to have a man's role it's just god's called women to do that if you if you look at scripture she's actually just living out what god has called her to do um but you know she recently went to a uh pro-life meeting of pastors and she was the only woman there and they just kind of a lot of them kind of looked at her like what are you doing here mm-hmm. you know they they called that the organization called us and said can we talk to the pastor <laughs> and my wife's like well you're talking to him well we want to talk to your husband she's like well my mm-hmm. husband works full-time out of the yes. out of the office um yeah. and he won't be able to attend that so i'm the one who takes care of this and i'm yeah. the one who leads this area and she, she's like well will your husband be attending she's like no I, I i'm going that. to be attending <laughs> So it's just, there's this mindset, even in women Mm. that, um, a woman can have no position in, in, in a leadership. She just has to sit on the pew, be the good church wife. And to be honest with you, I would hate that for my wife Mm. to just be there sitting on the pew, not, you know, just running the the family and not having any input, any say in what, what is going on. And I can't imagine Mm -hmm. not leading with her because the wisdom that she has in the prophetic and, and, you know, um, pastoral and different things like that. I'm like, where would our church be without her? Our church would just be nowhere. We'd be still stuck in the mud, you know, trying to, to get off the, get off the ground. If she hadn't been walking in what God has given her the gifts and the abilities to do. Yeah, God never mentioned, never like desired for us to do this on our on our own, and and it was never meant for you to lead in isolation. And and yeah, we do have team leadership, and we have other members part of our team. But there's something about leading. Um, if you're married, I mean, I know some people are not married who lead and do a phenomenal job. But if you're married and you're leading and and you both have the gifting and the calling on you, then why wouldn't you use those giftings? You know, it's, it's, um, you know, not, and not, I do understand that not everyone is called to leadership and there are people who don't desire that, don't want that, or just don't, because it is a frontline kind of scary thing to be part of and to do. Um, so I completely get that it has to be a calling. If you're called to church leadership and there's gift in there, just because you're a woman, you know, why, you know, why shouldn't, why shouldn't you lead really? Um, yeah. you know, this is, um, I had this passage actually that I was going to like just mention, um, it's in Revelation, um, Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, it says, um, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit has said to the churches. And this is like, this was like the verse that opened our eyes to actually, if Jesus completed his work, and was brought to sit on the Father's throne um, to rule with him. And then he brings on the church. The church comes and sits with him on the throne then um, to rule. Then there must be something about 
sitting together and ruling together. There's, you know, there's no like, um, argument of Jesus being under God's, the Father's authority and yet he sat on the same throne ruling and there's something. So whatever authority means, whatever headship means, there's something about ruling together, sitting on the same throne together and working together. And I think there's something really significant spiritual and powerful about that um that we're missing we're missing in a lot of our churches um yeah so we just need just more of that really um definitely more of that i mean you look at billy and i have discussed this before in one of the podcasts but if you look at um, genesis he didn't say adam go rule and reign he commissioned both husband yeah, and wife, yeah. man and woman, to rule and reign. Mm-hmm, and I think um, by looking at that and then you know, I think what happens is in, in churches, we we look at what Paul writes for a certain circumstance, a certain time of life, a certain country or, or province, and then we take it and we let it override what God called in Genesis, and that is for mm-hmm. man to be you know, we are co-heirs in the kingdom. We're yeah. we're co-laborers with Christ, and mm-hmm. it, it's husband and wife. So I think um, we have to look at Scripture as a whole and say, okay, there are some writings in certain times where Paul says, hey, yeah, this is what should happen. But then we also have to look at Genesis and say, what did God say from the beginning? Yeah, yeah. What what yeah. did he what did he promote mm-hmm. from um, from the beginning? A helpmate for the man yeah. and a helpmate for the woman to live together and to subdue the earth. And, mm. you know, looking at that, Jesus finishes it up when he tells his disciples, he goes, go make disciples of all men. Yeah. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm leaving you the key, keys mm. to the kingdom. I'm leaving you to do the work of the kingdom. And yeah. so I think when we have to, Look at women in leadership saying, okay, the, why is this woman in leadership? Well, we immediately look and say, okay, who, do, who override, does Paul override ride the, the creator of the universe? And so we have to look at it and say, God, God calls people to certain positions. If a woman can lead as a CEO, why can she not lead as a leader in the church? Why can she not be an apostolic leader in the church? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what's happened is, is we've put women into places that they haven't been comfortable leading, haven't been called to lead. So mm-hmm. we have this new wave of, um, and I don't want to say liberal, but women that are so focused on being better than a man. It's not, it's not that men have tried to be better yeah. than yeah. this woman, but it's that God has yeah. called mm-hmm. these women and yeah. we've had. Uh, kind of a repressive society and leadership that mm-hmm. women aren't allowed to lead. So you can lead the nursery and then control the family when we, when we get home, but you have yeah. nothing, yes. nothing to say or lead in church. And yeah. it's just sad to see that we've um, taken the role of women who are supposed to be 50% co-heirs with mm-hmm. the husband and said, well, you can only do this much because mm-hmm. God has designed you the other sex. So I don't know. It's just, it's hard to see that and it's hard to mm. um, growing up in churches like that. Um, it was hard to watch 
you know, and a lot of the women, because they couldn't lead in the church, were very controlling in the home and with their husbands because of that mindset of you can't do anything in the church. You have no role. You're the woman's pastor, but that's it. You're the children's church pastor. But um, until we open up those roles for women across the board in a, in a, uh, in we start to uh, promote that. Um, I think we're going to see more and more of this, of women trying to rebel against men. And it's not about rebelling against men. It's about, um, it's about us being co-laborers together and and having this, this mindset of you and I are both equal and we both have different giftings. God has called myself to this, my wife to this, or you to this and Richard to this and just celebrating that. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard when we're like, I think a lot of like, like oppression and controlling um, attitudes and behaviors is all out of feeling like, um, like that you, that you're not seen or not respected or regarded or, or there's like insecurities of like not being known and just, um, not being understood and it all comes you know in the you know attitudes towards men towards women of like feeling insecure of like well am I going to be pushed down and need to fight back and women not have been seen for the good and the, the qualities and the giftings that they have of needing to control their environment to it just like it just shows that like, how the kingdom of God come in into our situation you can just turn all of that around and help us just to see Christ in one another in such a way that we can just honor one another's giftings in such like and just see one another like the way Christ sees us so that we can just really enjoy like who we are with one another and this there's something freeing about that of like of not trying to prove yourself, not try and be something um, to try and show that you're good at things, or but being able to just to be yourself with other people that receive you and love you and just want you to be all that you you can be. And we need to be that with one another. Men need to be that with women. Women need to be that with men. Women need to be that like that with women and men like that with men of just being like this isn't about um this is not about like me looking good this is not about me being better than anybody else or proving myself this is about the giftings of god in me and being able to display something of christ jesus that will just set people free from the chains that the enemy puts on us all the time, constantly, with negative words, negative things, things that we say to ourselves. And we need to be those that take that off people and say, you know, you can be who God's called you to be. Let me help you with that. What do you need for me to support you with that? And um, and it's just a real challenge. It's a real challenge because we do, we're, we're brought up in such a way where we do feel like hurt and battered and bruised and insecure and we have to protect ourselves in some way. And, and 
And we just need to find ways of breaking through that so that, that we're, we're achieving the plans and purposes of God together as a community as, as you know, yeah, just as a community. I feel so passionate about what the community of God looks like and, and how we as a community um, fulfill that in, um, in our day really I suppose in our own cultures and societies um, and it's everybody being all that God's called them to be and receiving one another in that way um, yeah. that's really good I like that I think like you said receiving one another uh, until we actually receive the gifts that God has placed yeah. inside of of women and men and whoever they are uh, we're really not accepting them uh for who god has created them to be until we start to receive those gifts you know whether it's they have a gift of counsel or they have a gift of of mm-hmm. just um you know loving people we have to start to look at people for their giftings and not of um whether they're created a man or a woman whether they're mm-hmm. Uh, a leader, non-leader. There's so many people out there that do things better than me, yeah. but they don't. They don't lead, and it doesn't mean that they're not as qualified. Doesn't mean that they're not mm-hmm. better at something than me. And it's like we've got people in our church that that are better at you know mm-hmm. pastoral than me. I'm not very pastoral. My wife is highly pastoral, and there's other people that are, and they're so good at it. And we can and feel insecure. And we can feel insecure when we see people that are better than me. Yeah. And yeah. that's and, and it is it's hard but actually that's something to celebrate when we see exactly. it's like changing our mindset of like not being insecure about that, but celebrating that the that God has given us gifts amongst us that are amazing and yeah. um it is a change of mindset. Yeah, I think I think promoting, you know, people and not looking at looking at their giftings first of all before we look at anything else and say their giftings are there. Is their character there? Not okay. Is it a man? Is it a woman? Just yeah. looking at that part of it and saying, man, God is, has this person who has character. They mm-hmm. have the giftings. And you can see the God-given call on their life. And it's like, then why not bring them up into the fold um, and bring them into uh, to that table and say, man, God has called you. You've got a gifting. You've got the character that goes with yeah. it. Yeah. You know, help push that person into that role yeah. of, of leading and, and serving well. And um like with the fivefold gifts, we've got the fivefold gifts, and, and too many times we look at them as um, as things that we should honor, and I, mm-hmm. we need to honor them. But they're more of a gift to us than they are than we yeah. should be a gift to yeah. them. And so when you mm-hmm. see someone operating, in, especially in the fivefold, and I don't, I don't care who they are, if they have the character and the gifting and the and the, yeah. and the calling yeah. of God, you have to to bring them get them into that point of whether yeah. they're a year old Christian and you're seeing that, get them into that discipleship, get them, get them into um, leadership uh, training, whatever it is. So they can mm-hmm. 
excel. They can not just be that sub level of we keep them down here and we're up here as leaders or whatever. So, um, leadership is, I think when you look at it, leadership can be tough because, um, you've got so many different characteristics you've got, especially co-leading, you know, you and your husband, completely different people have different styles of leadership, I'm guessing. (laughs) We're completely opposite in every single way. Yeah. 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 my wife and I are, are the same way. And she looks at me and she, sometimes she just says, why are you the way you are? And I'm just like, well, that's just because yeah. that's who I am. But you know, like she's highly, um, prophetic and highly pastoral and, and God yeah. has given her those giftings. And I just, sometimes I just sit back and I just say, you do what you need to do because I trust you. I believe yeah. in you. I know that you're not going to try to promote yourself. You're going to, put the kingdom first. You're going to put God first and just sitting back. And I love, I love watching it because she can do things that I can't. And it's just like such a, such a blessing to the body and such a blessing to other people that I can't do that. And it's like, how much easier is it for our churches and our ministries and our whatever to operate that way? If we can just do it together and sometimes step back and say, okay, this is not my area. You do it. You're good at it. You're called to do it. And I just trust you to do it. Yeah. I think what's really important about that as well, because like, um, like, so my, the role models I had of leadership were all men and what that looked like. And, and I would look, so I would look at that and think, that's not me. I'm not like that. So when I came into church leadership and started doing more and more, um, I, I re- I just found it, I think part of being overwhelmed was, um, trying to lead in a way that I thought leaders should lead, um, which was really, really difficult. Um, and it was, and I found it really, really hard. And it wasn't until I started realizing Actually, it's okay for me to be different. It's okay to me for me to not be like Richard. It's okay for me to not be like Richard's so good, like um, with teaching and theology, and he's just amazing at that. I'm like, I just really forgetful. I I love reading my Bible. I read I read it all the time. I've read it loads. If you ask me whereabouts in the Bible a certain scripture is, I'm like, I've no idea. That's Richard, and he's like, oh yeah, it's this, this, and this, and you know, he's like my own like concordance with Richard, and and so I'm just the way I think, the way I am, is completely different, to Richard. It is, yeah. My but wife like, is. is... Yeah, but like I feel like what I've learned over the years is that actually what the church needs is for me to be me. And I'm the only person that can be me <laughs> in our church environment and, and they need that because that's who I am. That's how God created me. And, and I know that like that can be a blessing for people and I don't want to be a blessing and the, and I'm going to be more a blessing by just being myself than trying yeah. to be something that I'm not. And it might not look like what people might look, might look at me and not think I'm a typical leader. And I, to be honest with you, I don't think I am a typical leader, but I do know God has called me to leadership and I'm leading yeah. in the way that 
I, the best way I know how, really. Yeah. I, and I don't think, what is a typical leader though? I mean, we mm-hmm. look at, we look at the gospels. Jesus called the most eight people that were not anywhere close to being a leader. He called tax collectors yeah. and he called, you know, fishermen. He called people that weren't called to be leaders, but that's, that's the part of the kingdom that we just have to embrace is that God calls the unrecognized people to lead. He calls the unqualified people to lead and he will qualify them. And, you know, like myself and my wife, I'm like, I, we're the most, you know, people that you would at least expect to lead. And, but God, God called us and it's like, when we answer his calling, he will equip us. He will, you know, sh- lead us. He will guide us. And I think we just have to tar- start to have the eyes of Jesus and look for people that are not the typical cookie cutter, charismatic leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I guess it's people who. Uh, um, People are willing to follow. People will are willing to look to and receive from, and and we look to people um, that have perhaps not the typical kind of strong leadership. Maybe we look to people who are living a life of real example of laying their life down for the gospel or. Or, you know, what does that look like to me? Does that inspire me? Does that encourage me? And what can I learn from that? Well, how can I be like, like Christ and, um, what Christ has got for me by looking to those people? And we have so many amazing people that are just walking the walk and just, um, that we, that, that are undiscovered and we don't know about. And maybe they're not called to, to lead a church but maybe they're called to show us like what it is to follow christ and they are leaders in different ways um yeah and church leadership it's become so i think the thing i struggle with 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 church leadership so so i'm i'm kind of like more like like prophetic evangelist kind of leader and but like when I sit down to do like strategy and looking at finances and looking at, I find those things like just bog me down and look at like what we're about the building and looking at like that's that's not the leadership that I feel that we're, we're we're pushed into those things and as church leaders to do those things and it can wear us out and tire you know and just make us tired when actually what we're meant to be doing is ministering the word of God and loving people and, and helping people to be all, you know, to evangelize and be witnesses and to, to reach people. And, you know, and so I don't know what, I don't know if there is a typical leader, but I wonder if there is a typical leader that we think is what leadership looks like, but actually I wonder if it's bigger and broader and, out more out of the box than we realize. Yeah. I, I think what you said is correct. I think, I don't think leaders should be so focused. I think, uh, especially in America, we've got these huge churches where the leader has to be everything to everyone. They have to have the complete vision. They have to have the, 
mm-hmm. the um, new building campaign. They have to have all this stuff and they burn out and they, um, yeah, yeah. they fall, they fail, whatever. And it's just, it's so hard to watch because of all the, mm-hmm. the, the damage in the, the wake of things. Yeah. And I remember yeah. talking to Richard a couple of years ago and he said, we're, we've got these campuses open and we're going to shut one down. And he's like, it's just not, it's not what we want it to be. And, and we're going to shut yeah. it down and we're going to try something different. And I think that really stuck in my head that he was willing to admit that something didn't work. Yeah. I, I saw the humility in that, that he said something didn't work when we were trying to do this. And because it didn't work, we're going to stop doing it instead of just like shut it down and ignore it. You know, and it just like where a lot of leaders will be like, oh, yep, boom, and just stop and immediately. Don't say anything about it. Not say, oh, well, we we didn't we didn't plan this right or we didn't do this right. Richard just said, hey, we're, this is not working and we have to shut it down. And I was like, man, he actually said to other people besides his inner circle of leaders in the church that, he had to shut up and he was shutting the campus down and it wasn't yeah. what they, he expected it to do. And yeah. that, that really is, I think we need more of that in, in leadership is God calls any, can call anyone into leadership. We just need more humility and leadership. Yeah. And when we have more humility and leadership, I think what we'll see is we'll start to see, um, we'll start to see people promoted that would not normally be promoted because leaders are willing to say, I can't do this. This mm-hmm. is not my gifting. I can't be everything to everyone. I can't be, you know, preaching 52 weeks a year. I can't, I need other people to help out. And I think that's where we need to really start to look at it and say, okay, where we called as a leader, I can't imagine trying to prepare 52 sermons a year and trying to do this. And it's, you know, it's why we share the, the load in of preaching at our church because my wife can preach and I can preach. And it's like, mm-hmm. it allows us to spend that time with the Holy spirit and not having to be every week, every week trying to come up with a, a four part mm-hmm. series, you know, mm-hmm. and do that. So I think just having the ability to say, and having the humility to say, I can't do this. I need someone else to, to lead in this area because my giftings aren't for that. I think that's a huge yeah. key for leadership mm-hmm. as a whole. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we, and I guess we do, because we do have teams of leads. We have different communities, like you just mentioned, and we have, we try to have team leadership even in the communities for that reason. Um, and um, but you know, and but I do feel like we still. I don't know. I don't know how we do. I don't know how churches can have people in the church who so who actually love doing, like, say, some of that, like, I don't know, finance and building stuff and structural stuff, and you know, we do have operations managers and things like that, and but then it overlaps into the spiritual side of things, and it's like, how do we like? make that work and stay in our gifting not step out of our gifting where it does burn us out where it does tire us um and i don't know like how we do that really um uh, only to have more money in the church where we can attract spiritual gifted leaders who feel called to that who 
but I don't know. Um, all I know is that, yeah, it's, I think it's just a difficult thing that we're just going to keep having to battle on through and making sure as well, I think, is, I think what's really important for leaders, especially, you know, whether you're male or female, is is having those breaks um, and just taking time just to rest and recover. Um, um, and that's really important. I feel it's really important for leaders, yeah. um, especially when you're doing things outside of your gifting, outside of what comes naturally. You need to just step back and just have a break and just um, take time out, really. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, rest is is a huge part of it. I mean, we look at the Bible yeah. and God had his leaders rest. He yeah. had those times yeah. where they just took that time away. Moses had to take that time away, Joshua. Mm-hmm. They had those moments where they just needed to get away. Jesus took that time. You know, he yeah. had to spend that time away with the Father. And I think in leadership, we're going to be doing natural and supernatural mm-hmm. things. We, yeah. we, you know, in order to... Um, be recharged to do the natural. I think we have to spend time mm-hmm. in the supernatural with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and allow them to minister to us so we can go back in and do those organizing the meetings and, and you yeah. know, staffing and different things like that. But I think just spending that time with God, letting the Holy Spirit minister to us, getting away from it for a day, a week, whatever it takes, will allow us to be able mm-hmm. to just come in and say, okay, now I've got supernatural wisdom. I've got the, the download that I need for that. Or, hey, let's have a meeting about this. I think that allows us to um, lead well and not have to worry about um, the burnout, the, the failures, the different things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So quick question for you. Um in your church, in your ministry, what what are you seeing? We're going to wrap up with this question: Is um, what are you finding is is meeting the the needs of the people, reaching people that are are not in your church or are in your church, meeting them physically and spiritually? Um, yeah, it's a very good question. Um, we um, a lot of our um, um, so different communities have like connect groups or small groups or whatever. So, so we encourage people to like to do a lot in those groups and group settings of just ministering to people. So we are finding a lot of our connect groups are um, like reaching to people and serving people in their communities. Um, connecting with um, people in the workplace, inviting them to come along um, and reaching those kind of needs, I guess, just, I guess just being, walking that Christian walk, um, ministering to people in everyday life. Um, So we, so a lot of what I guess we do is like preaching, teaching, discipleship in that, um, uh, the small groups will disciple one another in that as well of how they can um, live their life and walk their life in a way that reaches people, touches people's lives. Um, 
we would pray for one another um, and we we really um, reach out for um, really reaching out to God for more of um, healing as well um, amongst us we have seen healing we see people healed we believe that like most churches believe that they you know should be a center of healing we really believe that's a specific word of over us the church to be a center of healing and, and so pray for one of for healing so that as we grow in that as we touch people's lives in that that people will want more of that to be praying for people outside for healing um, um i've seen people healed on the streets of you know of I've prayed for people, I've, I've visited my neighbours and prayed with them, touched them. So so I guess for us it's more like a daily walk really of how we do that. Um, um, we don't, since the pandemic, we've not really got any like major kind of outreach programmes like we had in the past. We used to do quite a lot. We used to open our doors to um, people on the streets and welcome them in and like spoil them and treat them and and those kind of things. Um, and we do have ministries towards um, mums with small kids and um, with the current climate as well, we've opened up another room in our building and we call it the Warm Room, which is a initiative that's going on throughout the UK. Um, with like um people not being able to afford to have the heating on in the day if they're at home so we're saying to people we've got a room that we're keeping heated there's drinks in there there's some music on there's wi-fi come and come and be warm you know meet people if you want do some work there if you want um you know have you come and have your lunch there if you want um and that's open in the daytime so that's open to the community um, roundabout building and, and different church members as well to come along to that. Um, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. So is it basically open 24 hours a day or is it just uh, certain hours yeah, a day? Yeah, just in office hours. So okay. while the office is open, if people are in the, during the day at home or they want to, you know, they're working from home, but they are the driver come and work there rather than work from home, then they can yeah, okay. do. Very cool. Very cool just opportunities to, to reach them with the gospel or just give yeah. them uh, some place to go instead of, you know, like yeah. you said, staying warm, staying off the street, staying in a place that's safe also. Yeah. 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 That is very cool. Judith, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was good chatting thank with you. you. Thank you. Can I just mention one thing before we go? Yes. I would love to just, just about, um, just, I know I've talked about how like Pioneer has been such an amazing like part of my life and my role as a woman in leadership. And one of the things that really benefited me is going to um, the um, annual Women's Leaders Conference, um, which I just would love to mention here because like it is an opportunity for women who are in leader leadership to be amongst other women in leadership. And um, it is a real encouragement. I've read, I've read, we had one just recently in January, 
and and I've read some of the feedback from that and some of the stuff that the women were saying it's such an amazing opportunity to be with women who understand who encourage who inspire I know one of the things that we were saying earlier was about how some of the difficulties and challenges that we can face as other women and the women's conference is such an amazing environment where you're discovering that women can be some of the most supportive and encouraging prophetic people that can have a real impact into our lives and so just we have the women's leaders conference it's every year so next year i think it's going to be in april um which is worth anyone that that wants to come to that to think about whether they can make that and and it's online as well as in person so no matter where you are you can get involved and be part of it that's good yeah i know uh my wife was gonna tune in this year but she had some things going on we're actually in the middle of uh um next month is her she's doing a women's conference so she's been planning that out and we've been running around like, yeah, we've just been running around trying to get everything done for it and get everything set for it. So, yeah, um, I know she was interested in it, but just kind of blew by when, when she realized it was already going on. So, but yeah, I, I think that is true. I think meeting with other leaders that are in different positions, but, you know, having women that are leading, having that encouragement, mm-hmm. having that place that you can, you know, discuss troubles yeah. and, and having yeah. those uh, support group of people around you to say, hey, you're, you know, I, I think men lead different than women. So we don't know how to encourage women sometimes as mm-hmm. leaders um, the way other women do. I think we can say, hey, you're doing a good job, but not understanding the troubles that come with it, the, the stigma that comes with it in some areas. Um, I don't think we can really feed into them and support them the way that other women leaders can. I think we can learn how to do it, but I think having that, that group of women around you is key to becoming a better leader and and having that support. It can be a lifeline for a lot of women in leadership. And if you're not in the right environment, you might think, well, maybe it's not for me. Maybe, maybe I'm just not doing the thing that, I should be doing or it's too difficult and you can go to one of these conferences and you can realize actually this is for me this is the calling of god on my life and i'm not going to give up and i'm going to yeah. keep on going and, and so we need that and so um you know we need women who are um have got loads of experience in leading as a woman to be part of yeah. that to be an encouragement to those who are you know, behind them in years and experience, and um, and it is such an amazing opportunity. Um, so I hope it works well with with what your wife is planning, and that it will be an amazing time. Um, yeah, I think it will. I think it's uh, we just, you know, God has called us to um, something a little bit different than most people mm-hmm. are, but I think you know, like. Just from starting this conference, um, you know, reached out to uh, uh, one of the people she knows that's a, a woman that leads a church. And this uh, woman is in another network, and we were telling her about Pioneers. She's like, what? She's like, you – she goes, I need to know more information about this. So, I mean, we literally have another church that's interested in getting into Pioneer because they see the value of 
of the distinctive of women in leadership and yeah. knowing that she's going to be supported and she's going to have people that are, like you said, doing it 20 yeah, years yeah. ahead of her or 10 years ahead of her mm -hmm. that can just give her wisdom, give her support, give yeah. her that, that, um, pat on the back when she needs it and say, Hey, you're doing a good job. And I think yeah. we do, I think as, as believers and, um, as a husband and men, I think we need to, um, come alongside the women that are in our lives, whether they're leading or not, and just say, you're doing a good job. Yeah. You're, whether you're leading the church or leading in the home, you're doing a good job. I think we need to give more praise yeah. to the, to the leader. They're leading in some area, whether it's in the church or not, and just say, Hey, I believe in you. And I think yeah. it, as men start to promote this, I mean, women can, can promote it and say, we need women in leadership. Yes. But until men start really stepping up alongside them and stepping before them mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, we believe in this. We need to, we need to mm -hmm. do this. I, I don't think we're going to see change until the men start to take yeah. the active role and say, we believe in this, not just women. Mm -hmm. We believe in this. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of women that will step into that by yeah. saying really confident and they just know who, I mean, like your wife just being, knowing from such a young age, this is, who she is, I think that's brilliant. And but there's probably some women that just need that need a space created for them to step yeah. into, just where they can expand their wings, or maybe they don't realize they've got wings. And unless they've got space created for them, they'll never realize. And and so it's I think like just being aware of that. There's you know a woman's not going to lead if she feels like. Well, there's no space here for me. Yeah, um, that is true. That is very true. I think having that space, like my wife says, making that space at the table and mm -hmm. having that chair for them to, to pull up and sit down at the table and say, you have the same value as men mm -hmm. and you have the same value as another woman leader. Um, yeah. We start to learn to value those people and learn to value the co-heir and the co-reign in the kingdom I think that's mm -hmm. when we'll start to see a, a huge change in churches. Yeah. So, yeah. That was good. Thank you. Judith, I appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much for coming on the uh, podcast. It was good to have you. Good good chatting with you. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. A lot of wisdom. I just heard, I think it's going to be great. I think there's a lot of wisdom that you um, we've been talking about and that you've – some things you've said that are just – I think are going to be key to help um, – raise up the next generation of, you know, 20 something year old leaders that are, are women going to start being apostolic leaders and prophetic leaders and, and mm. planning churches and, and doing those things. So thank you so much again. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of the pioneer podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, God bless. You.